Support for WGLT's Grow comes from FS Custom Turf by Evergreen FS. FS Custom Turf offers complete lawn and tree care services to preserve the health of yards, trees, and shrubs. Products and services detailed at evergreen-fs.com. Welcome to Grow. I'm Sarah Nardi. Today we're taking some more listener questions. Patrick Murphy is the person to ask if you have some pressing botanical queries, and we have two of them today. Our first is about preserving an old fruit tree. But before we get into that, I have my own question. Patrick, do you say apricot or apricot? I believe it's apricot because there's two consonants in a row. Is that the rule? I believe that's, yeah. Let's talk about this apricot tree, shall we? So a really nice fellow that works here at the university with us contacted me about his desire to preserve an old apricot tree that's on his property. And the apricots are reported to be quite large, and that's the anomaly. That's not typical. Usually apricots are pool ball to golf ball size. Right. And the pits vary in size, but... These are supposed to be peach-like in size. So those are pretty special, right? Is that why he wants to keep them going? They, it, it is special. And I can mm-hmm. tell you, I've never had the privilege of judging uh, fruit at the Illinois State Fair. But is that I, a thing? It is a thing. But I turned down an invitation to do it a couple years ago, and I've always regretted it. Because I can tell you that you just would be surprised at what farmers and gardeners are able to produce. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is related to the lineage and the genetics of what they're growing. But some of it's just good old green thumb. Right. Yeah. So the fella asked me about the condition of the tree, and it's not in good shape. It's a tree that's over two-thirds declined, so there's a stand, tree standing there with only one-third of it producing leaves, and and it did produce some flowers, you know, so that means there's going to be some fruit. Mm-hmm. And he asked me if one could just cut off some of the living limbs and put them in the ground to start a new tree, and the answer to that is yes and no. Okay. So here's why. So some trees and woody plants can be produced just by starting new plants from their seeds. That's sure. goes all the way back to first grade. Johnny Appleseed. Yep. Okay. Acorns for oaks, the little coin purse enclosed seed for the Kentucky coffee tree. Plant the seed and that's what you're going to get. But in the case of what we know as far as fruit bearing trees are concerned, that's your apple, apricot, or apricot, <laughs> crab apples, pears, peaches, plums, right? The seed can give you something a little or a lot different from the parent plant where the seed was taken. I had no idea that it wouldn't produce something genetically similar. It, it, it will not. Many fruits have genetics for features not found with the parent plant. So you might find one that the flowers are red rather than white, or you get the typical small apricots versus this rarity of a large one. Russet skin, you know, that looks like brown paper bag, uh, or when it comes to potatoes, I love potatoes and apples, but creamy versus a pilly meat. What's pilly? Like mealy? Pilly's like something that's been frozen. Yeah, sometimes okay. potatoes are pilly, sometimes apples are, pears for sure. Okay. I like it to be smooth, you know, like Right, soap. I would think pilly would be the less desirable yeah. treat. So in cases where one wants the clone of the desired old fruit tree or ornamental plant, a soft tissue cutting is best, and it's needed to conduct asexual propagation of a parent plant. Can you explain what soft tissue cutting is? You bet. So it's also called asexual propagation, 
and it's a skill that allows one to create a small rooted start of a tree, a woody plant from the newest growth that's usually located at the end of the branches. Okay. So the fresh little baby guys. That's right. Okay. And the cuttings are thinned and pruned in a manner that preserves one to three leaves so that the little cutting can conduct photosynthesis and it can be treated with a rooting hormone or not. So in the case of our ancestors, they did this all the time with just the cuttings and some some hand-mixed soil. This is also where the technique was discovered. And hmm. it's, it's ancient. It's been around for a long, long time. The ingenuity of our forebears. The science of horticulture. <laughs> yeah. The prepared and treated cutting is then placed in a vessel uh, that will allow for watering and for the roots to develop until the cuttings are ready to stand on their own. Aww. So once the viable start is created, the baby tree can then be planted into either a larger training pot. It can be sank into the ground. Uh, that also helps for ease and care. And until they move into the ground as a whip, it requires some attention and watering and making sure that the squirrels aren't digging around yeah. in it and stuff yeah, like and that. Yeah, and protect it. It's just like child rearing. Fertilize it, yeah, you grow it, you raise it. Yeah. A lot of parallels. I like it. So the employee and I took the bounty of cuttings that he brought to campus, and we selected the best ones with soft green skin on the stems rather than a little bit of bark starting to form. Better to have the cutting without that. But then the stems were placed into a chambered flat with soil, and so they could be nursed at home. And we did talk about the rooting hormone, but time is of the essence when we did this. Mm -hmm. So we skipped that step. So it's going to be fun to see what happens that we should know something by this fall if they're going to need to stay in that little flat and be kind of uh, tucked in for the winter. Mm -hmm. Or if this fall, hopefully they'll be ready to be bumped up into a new container. Well, let's follow up on that because now I'm emotionally invested in these little baby apricot trees. All right, well, let's move on to our second question. And this one is from a listener who's kind of freaking out about some weird stuff she's found by the zoo. She writes, ah, one of the viney bushes surrounding Miller Park Zoo is utterly plagued by a hard orange fungus. I think it's the porcelain vine, which makes me very sad. What should they do? Who should we call? Exclamation point, question mark. Patrick, let's put this kind lady's mind at ease. Marita of Bloomington contacted us about these strange fruiting bodies on a vine wall that is at a local zoo. Without having seen it, I knew right away she was talking about galls. It's that time of year. Mm -hmm. uh, galls are abnormal growths that occur on leaves, twigs. They can, they can even happen below the ground on roots. They can even attack flowers, and they're found on many plants. Most galls, however, are caused by an irritation or a stimulation of plant cells due to the feeding or egg laying by insects, such as, say, aphids or wasps or mites. So it's a little science fiction-y. Yeah, some galls are the result of the infection by bacteria or fungi or little microscopic worms called nematodes. Difficult to tell apart from insect-caused galls, but if you've ever seen a hackberry tree, the leaves have these gross little green warts on them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I that's, have. That's from a bacteria. And a lot of other galls, the larger ones in particular, they're more associated with the insect activity. Well, fascinating, because I always thought those little green blisters were bug eggs. No. Nope. It's a, just a little irritation in the cell. And Yet it's another myth bacteria. dispelled. Yeah. Okay. There's not a lot of effective means to treat in terms of eradication. 
a lot of times spraying the entire vine or an entire tree to mitigate this is kind of hard on the environment. Sure. And the chemicals are, uh, they're just hazardous. Right. So, so bottom line, does Marita have anything to worry about or are we going to be okay here? I think, I think she's going to be okay here. And I wanted to also throw in there that as beautiful as a porcelain vine is, and a lot of people confuse them with grapes because of the fruit. It comes in like four colors. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like purple to this grayish pink color. It's actually making its way onto the invasive species plant list. So thinking about how the whole scenario goes full circle, I'm certain that the zoo used this aggressive vine to help create a barrier for some animal habitats that ru- that rest right along a busy street, mm-hmm. you know, to block the visual distraction and reduce the animal's stress. So I think that's a real-life thing for animals in zoo and habitats. Oh, absolutely. Stress. So the galls are another mechanism in the circle creation that provides food, shelter, and breeding area for certain insects and living things that need them for survival. So they are also part of the uh, pollination chain. Mm-hmm. They're also food for other things that don't leave galls on, on plants, spiders, everything you can think of, tree frogs, little ground lizards. Life goes on, right? That's right. Okay, well, if you have any questions about the gardener landscape, get in touch and Patrick Murphy will answer. I'm Sarah Nardi. Send your questions to wglt.org grow.